welcome back to SEMA's podcast. Y'all ready for this? Where we talk about all things emergency preparedness to make sure that you and your family are ready for any type of natural or man-made disaster right here in Chatham County. This week, my co-host is none other than Sakili Johnson, our pet enthusiast, likes to talk about flooding, all things emergency preparedness. Sakili, thank you for being my co-host today. Thank you for having me on again. Well, and I had to introduce Sakili first because Sakili, I would like you to introduce our guest today because this is 100% your idea. So will you introduce our guest today? Okay. Well, everyone, I am very excited to welcome to SEMA's podcast, Dr. Jake Harper of Chatham County Animal Services. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Harper. Thank you very much for having me. This is going to be fun. So we sat, in our, we sat in our preparedness meeting for National Preparedness Month. Yes, I just said preparedness twice in the same sentence. Um, and Sakili's like, Chelsea, we have to do pet preparedness. We have to. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's make it happen. And she's like, and I want to interview Dr. Harper. We have to do it. So here we are. This is Sakili's just minds just exploding onto your screen and onto your headphones. Uh, she's excited to be a part of it today, I'm sure. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in with pet preparedness. Dr. Harper, what do you recommend for an animal that is really anxious about traveling in a car? You got to think about evacuations and the time frame that we're in. What would you do about that? So, you know, typically if you have a dog that's anxious, you're going to know this. Like you take your dog to the vet, you take your dog in the car, you know, I have a dog that is severely anxious in the car. Um, there are a lot of different things you can do. One, you know, the most important thing is talk to your veterinarian first. Your veterinarian may be able to give you specific things that you can try, specific, I mean, there are drugs out there that you can use, prescription over the counter that you can use. I know, you know, just like simple things that you can do is, you know, tr dogs pick up on your stress too. This is going to be a stressful, this is going to be a really stressful time. So trying to be as calm as possible, keep it as normal as possible, have a place, a safe place for the dog in the car. That's a big, you know, or a cat for that matter. Um, you know, have a safe place. Um, if you're looking for, you know, in an emergency situation, like you didn't do this, your dog becomes anxious, you've never seen it before, the dog's dog or cat all of a sudden becomes anxious. Um, things that you can use that you may have on hand. Benadryl is a wonder drug sometimes for these things. I usually tell people to try Benadryl out first before they use it on their, you know, use it in an emergency type situation because Sometimes with people, they can become, you know, it has an adverse effect where you get excited. It very rarely happens in dogs, but typically you can, you know, use something over the counter like Benadryl. Um, there are some other like, you know, more um, non-prescription type drugs. One of them, you know, you can go to Whole Foods or some of those places where they have like supplements and they have like, comp there's a remedy, re rescue remedy. That's a, just an, a, a supplement that has you know, chamomile in it, something like that, that you can use that are safe for dogs. And that's the most important thing is, is you want to use something that you want to try to keep the dog as calm as possible and use something safe. So consult with your veterinarian, talk to them to see if they need, if you need something more, you know, more involved than just something like, you know, Benadryl or something calming. Um, you know, there are tons of things out there that you can try. You know, and the other part of it is a lot of times, you know, having dogs loose in the car may increase their anxiety. Dogs like to be in small spaces. So if you have a dog that's small enough and you have a vehicle that's big enough that you can use a carrier for the dog, that's ideal. Cats should be in a carrier no matter what, just because cats are cats. But I think with dogs, 
you know, some people, you know, you, you have the typical picture of the dog sticking their head out the window when people are driving down, driving down the road. Try to keep them as safe as possible. You know, the biggest concern that we have when we're doing this is you don't know how long you're going to be in the car. People are evacuating. There's traffic. There's all kinds of things. So that's where you really need to start thinking these things through. Like what, you know, you may have a dog that you take them to the vet or you take them to the park and they're totally fine in the car. But if you keep them cooped up for a long period of time, they may, that anxiety may increase. So the biggest thing is, you know, like we're talking about, be prepared, plan ahead, know what you're dealing with. That is a really good point. I have a very anxious cat that does not like getting in the car. He screams about it. So he must be bribed <laughs> to get into any vehicle at any point in time. And I kind of added this question in selfishly for myself, but do you have any tips for getting pets into carriers or crates, especially ones like maybe really doesn't enjoy being in such things? So one of the things to use is use the crate at times other than getting going somewhere like have you know if you have a cat like yours that doesn't like to go into a crate leave the crate out in the house you know leave it out there let it sit around you know maybe put food in it put treats in it so that they go in and out of it so it's not something like you know cats in particular are very kind of you know they're they're very in tune with what's going on and what environmental changes and, you know, if you have a carrier, you have a cat that doesn't like the carrier, the only time you ever get the carrier out is to take the cat to the vet or to evacuate or whatever, then you want to, that's going to, that's going to already um, automatically signal them and say, hey, whoa, what the heck is going on? So having a carrier out there, um, you know, leave it out in the, in, just leave it out with them, kind of play in it, you know, use toys, you know, like if they like to chase, you know, like laser lights or, you know, toys, throw the treat, you know, throw them into the carrier, get them to go into the carrier without being trapped in the carrier. The other thing that works really well with cats in particular is there is a drug or it's a, it's a spray called feel away. It's feel away spray. And what it is, it's the, it's a derivative of the pheromones from the cat, you know, good pheromones from a cat. And it can use, it can calm cats. It comes in kind of a glade plug-in type thing that you can use like for environment stuff, but it also has, a, there's also a spray. So you can use this spray, sometimes just use that spray, spray it on a towel, leave it in the carrier, and it gets rid of that bad juju that may be in that carrier, and it can help the cat get in there. This is changing if, my life right now. <laughs> right? If you have a cat, you know, and like most people, it depends on the carrier too. Like I like the, you know, the carriers that just have one front door to them are really hard to get cats into. They put all fours out and they kind of hold around. So and if you have, you can get one of the carriers that have a front load and a top load, that little cage on the top that you can open. That's also a little bit beneficial to the cat because it's a little bit more open. You have more options to try to get the cat into the carrier. You know, we've all done the, the thing where we turn that, you know, get the cat, the carrier with the front door and you have to turn it on its side, mm -hmm. hold the cat up and drop, you know, drop the cat out. My arms are huge. Um, <laughs> put the cat down in the, in the carrier. We've done that. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is just trying, you know, once again, preparedness think about things that you're going to have to do if you have to get the cat in it you know make the carrier not a bad place awesome. i can literally see securely going to amazon right after we get yes the <laughs> like what is this i need it it's it's amazing that stuff is amazing like it really like you know i used to when we have cats with litter box issues and things like that you'd use these pheromone sprays because it looks like it's a little just an insert you put in the wall like those glade things 
but this it comes in a spray form. You can get it everywhere. Feel away. It's perfect. Wow. All right. You've wrapped Sakili's world and it's only been a couple <laughs> of minutes. I like it. All right. So let's talk about you know, sometimes pet owners, they just they don't think about it and they may decide to just leave their pets at home, especially when they're evacuating. What kind of words of wisdom do you have for someone that may be considering that? Um, don't do it. I mean, I think that the, the biggest, I guess, because this is a, it's an unknown. You don't know. You don't know how long you're going to be gone. You don't know what's going to happen when you're gone. You have no idea. Um, you know, I've, we hear stories all the time of people like, okay, let's just, I'm going to leave my cat here. I'm just going to put food out and, leave, you know, just put a bag of food out with, you know, cats. I mean, cats are pretty self-sufficient. So you may think, oh yeah, I can leave my cat. It's no big deal. You don't know. And I, you know, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing. I mean, we may come in, you know, if there's no other thing that you can do, I think you just need to be prepared. I think I, I wouldn't recommend leaving them at home, you know, leaving them behind at all. It's the unknown factor. Like, you know, we, you, you evacuate, you don't know when you're coming back. Um, you know, it could be pretty traumatic for the animal. I mean, it could, you know, it could put them in pretty dangerous situations. And, you know, honestly, leaving a pet at home is, is, is almost, you know, it would be borderline abandonment. So I don't, I just, I, I don't recommend it. I don't really have any other words of wisdom other than don't do it. Don't do it. Hey, those are some don't great words it. of wisdom. Don't do yeah. it. Pretty solid advice. So on the note of preparedness, have any tips? For pet owners who need to start building out their pets emergency kits yeah i think that you know the most it's all kind of the common things that you would think of that you would need for a kid to be honest I mean, you need to have food you need to have something for them to eat the food out of you need to have water something for them to drink the water out of um when you start you know a leash a collar um vet records that's one of the big things that sometimes people don't think about is like hey you know like you know, you may have a rabies tag, but you may not use it. You may not keep it on your dog's collar. You need to have that record because if you're, depending on where you go, you may need to have um, documentation that the dog's vaccinated for rabies or the cat's vaccinated for rabies. So you need to make sure you have that. Um, you know, a carrier, a bed, or something to use as a bed. That, you know, it's things they make really cool, like collapsible um, bowls that you can use. You know, those are the big things. I'm trying to think of anything else that, you know, anything specific. Medications, I think, you know, you always should have, you know, the basic first aid stuff. Most of the first aid stuff that you can use um, for people, you can use for a dog um, or cat. You know, I don't typically use a lot of that, you know, like some of the drugs, but like just bandage material, those kind of things, just in case. You know, let's say you're, you're on the road and you have to pull over to go, to, you know, let the dog out to go to the restroom and, it's a rocky area. The dog steps on a rock, cuts its foot, you know, hurts its foot, cuts, you know, has a laceration on its foot. You need to put something on it. You need to be able to bandage it up to get somewhere. So, you know, it's typically kind of the same stuff that you would have just adding in leashes and collars and those kind of things. Feel away spray. There you go. There you go. So he still going to Amazon after this. I know, right? <laughs> Um, all right. So what about people that uh, maybe some tips or tricks for people that aren't necessarily dog or cat owners, maybe people that have a fish. I'd like to see you try to put a leash on a fish, uh, maybe a <laughs> snake or something like that. What do you think? Well, I think those are even more important to have something, have a plan in place to be prepared. You know, people may think, oh, well, you know, you have a fish, you have a snake that doesn't eat very often. And if I'm only going to evacuate for two or three days, 
I can just leave that snake here, no big deal. All these, you know, the animals that we're talking about, like birds and snakes and fish and those things depend on electricity. One, like you have to, you know, they, if they're in a, if you have an aquarium or if you have a, you know, a terrarium where you have a, you know, some sort of reptile, then they, you know, they have to stay warm. So you can't depend on the power to stay on here. So you can't leave those guys by home. So, you, um, so I think that most people that have those animals should have a, some sort of, you know, portable, you should have some kind of travel case with them, some kind of, something that to transport these guys with when you go. Like, you know, it's the same situation. Don't leave them behind. It may make it difficult, but, you know, and I know that there are a lot of people that may make a choice not to evacuate when they have these animals. And that's not always the best thing either. So I think you're know, having a plan, having something, you know, having everything in place that you know where you can take and, and know where you can go with these certain animals. You know, there's not a lot of places, you know, if you're, you can kind of sneak, you may be able to sneak a snake into a hotel room, but you should probably plan it. You know, need to plan ahead and know where you can go, and what you need to do. Yikes. I don't want to be on the, like the receiving end of someone sneaking a snake into a hotel room. <laughs> like what have no. they got out? Absolutely not. Mm -mm. Can you talk a little bit about microchipping? Like, is it safe? Is it expensive? What kind of pets is it recommended for? Oh, wow. This is one of my favorite topics. So microchips, a microchip is a very small grain of rice type. It's just a, it's a, electronic device it doesn't the way it works is it doesn't send out a signal but it can receive a signal so like if you have a you know these they're basically a sensor that you can you know you can scan and get a number off of you know a lot of people think about microchips being like a gps it's not a gps it doesn't track you it doesn't do anything else it just simply is a form of identification it's imperative that every dog and cat at least every dog and cat have these things because not only in times of evacuation or in times of you know, um, stress or any, you know, national, you know, emergency type stuff, these microchips can be lifesavers that, you know, they can identify your pet, you know, let's imagine your dog runs out, doesn't have its collar on, the microchip stays there. The way, yes, let's go back to the beginning and talk about what the microchip, how you do this. So the microchip, very small grain of rice is in a needle and it's injected under the skin of a dog or cat, usually behind, you know, right in the between the shoulder blades. It's like an, it's an injection, it's, it's safe. I mean, occasionally if you have a fractious animal that's kind of moving around when you give them a, when you do that, you can sometimes cause it, you know, they get stressed, you may, it hurts for a second. It's like, an, it's like a vaccine, it's like an injection. Um, but in, that microchip embeds underneath the skin and stays there, it, does, it doesn't usually go anywhere. Um, typically, I mean, 90, I would say 99% of the time, you know, quote me on the exact stats, but 99% of the time it's completely safe and innocuous. But, you know, occasionally you can get infections from these things just based on the, because it is a foreign body that you're putting under the skin, but that happens very rarely. Um, it's a quick procedure. Usually you can do it like it's a walk-in. We do some vaccine, you know, we do it in some vaccine clinics here where people will come in, you, it takes five minutes to register and do the injection and send them on their way. Um, typically, cost-wise, it depends. Like if you go to, you know, there's fee, or the, the fee involved includes the actual application of, uh, the actual installment of the microchip and the registration. What happens when you register these things is, like I said, the microchip has a number 
that's unique to each microchip. That number is in a database for whichever microchip company that you use. And that is registered to you as the owner, um, your, your, your information, your address, all your contact information. And different microchip companies have different like levels, I guess you could say. Like the microchip in and of itself will identify your dog no matter what, and we'll go back to a database. But there are, you know, depending on what you want to pay for, you can pay for a, you know, extra, a, a additional membership where if your dog is lost, you can call the microchip company. They will pull the pull all your information for the dog or the cat, and basically send out emails to local veterinarians and things like you know, places in there, humane societies and things that can actually put out almost like an APB for your animal. Um, and they do more active searching. There's always the more, yeah, there's always the passive searching, which is the microchip being put present itself that we scan. Like when we get animals that come into animal services, every dog and cat that comes in there is scanned for a microchip. And we return a lot of, you know, we probably, you know, I would say five, 10% of the dogs that we get in that have microchips, we can get them back to their house. Um, you know, cost-wise, like I said, it depends. I mean, we charge $20 for our microchips you know, for, for everything. And, it, and that just includes basically the passive registration. But the microchip company, we usually, once you register, they usually contact you and say, hey, would you like this extra service? Would you like that? You know, these different things. Um, one of the most important things you can do, and I can speak from personal experience, is when you move, that's one of the things that need to be on your list to say, hey, I need to change my contact information for my animal because otherwise, how are they going to get in touch with me? You know, when we first moved to Savannah, we had a, a chihuahua that had a microchip and he liked to just move and roam and do stuff. And he ran off and they scanned the microchip and they were, you know, we didn't find it. We found him two days later, actually, from neighbors and things. But they said they'd been calling the microchip, but they'd been calling a place that they'd been calling an old cell phone number. That had been you know disconnected because we didn't we didn't think about that kind of stuff so that's just one of the other things on your checklist of preparedness like when you move to get the microchips and i think that's microchips are a big deal and i think you know like when you look back to all the you know when you do have you know natural disasters or hurricanes or whatever evacuations and you have a lot you know for whatever reason they're just tons of stray dogs you know you don't know like the first thing people do is scan them and they can find them I think the other big deal with this is we're traveling on the road and evacuations. Who's to say your dog's not going to jump out the, you know, you stop at a gas station, he runs away. You're in Macon from, you go from Savannah to Macon, your dog runs away. What are you going to do? Well, it's microchips and it'll call you. And if your cell phone's registered, they can call you. So I think that's a, that's a big deal because you're taking animals into foreign environments and things they're not used to. And the best protection is to have some sort of ID on them and microchip is the best. So I'll give a shout out to Dr. Harper. We planned a vaccination and microchip clinic with SEMA and Chatham County Animal Services a couple of years ago. And I gave, I brought in my dog, my dog, Kylie. I, I brought her in and I said, you know, we're going to get her her microchip today. And Dr. Harper's like, oh, like we'll fake do it on Facebook Live. And then he kind of looks at me in the middle of Facebook Live and he goes, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and do this. And he just straight microchipped my animal. And it was just like that. So when he says it's a quick process, he was not kidding. It was very, very quick. And she did not have any issues whatsoever. And he did it live on Facebook. So listeners, if you want to see it happen, you're welcome to, to go look on that. It was pretty cool. 
Um, but also I just moved and I, as Dr. Harper was talking, I was like writing myself a sticky note. Oh, you wrote of, yourself a sticky note. <laughs> I need to change the address in my dog's microchip. So perfect. Thank you, Dr. Harper. That was beautiful. All right. Yeah, so thinking about that roaming chihuahua, you just have a chihuahua just was bold enough to just run around. Well, he, well, we had another, we had a lab with him. Like it was, we had a chihuahua and a black lab and the chihuahua would get out of the gate and the lab followed him. So he was kind of, he was kind of the, 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 the ringleader. And, you know, he ended up like, I think he walked into a lady's garage and they were just like hanging out. Aww. His name was Manny, Manny Ramirez. I'm a Red Sox fan. So. Oh my gosh. This was back in the day. Wow. <laughs> One thing I will say about, you know, we'll say about microchips too is, you know, the, the registration part is really, really, really important because we get a lot of dogs that are microchipped and we get dead end microchips where we can go in and we can't find it. And that's, you know, that's, it's really sad when you have these dogs, you know, they're owned and you know that somebody's taking care to microchip their dog, but yeah, they didn't register. And it's, and you know, when you scan them, it's a really quick process. There's a couple of websites like AKC Reunite is one of the websites that we use where you basically just can go online, type in the microchip number, and it'll tell you some, it'll tell you the microchip company, you call them. And I just was on the phone like yesterday with one of the microchip companies that we use. And they're looking to try to basically coordinate with other microchip companies to get one database so that. Every, you know, you go to one place, you know the microchip and you can find it. Because sometimes the only information that we get is, oh, this microchip was implanted at, you know, Broward County Animal Services in Florida. And you don't know, you can't trace it any further than that. But that, but that gives you enough because you can call them and say, hey, what's the microchip number? And they can tell you, oh, well, this dog was adopted to so-and-so in 2015. And we can kind of track it that way. But a lot of people are reunited with their pets just because of the microchip. So it's a real good thing. That's awesome. So let's say we have a worst case scenario. We have an animal that's not microchipped um, and they get lost during a disaster. What's kind of the first step? What do you do if, if you haven't taken that step to microchip your animal? I think mean, it depends on where you are. If you're, you know, where, the first thing you should do is call your local, the local animal services, local animal control place where you are. Um, I think that's, you know, that's kind of the, the big, the, the first thing to do because they're going to be that's kind of the first contact. I think we're the typically the first contact with any of those things. You know, most most places have an on, we have an online submission here where you can submit a lost dog report. Um, that would be the first step. I think the other thing, you know, so I think that's that's the the big the big thing. You know, searching the areas. Typically, you know, if you're looking at you know if dogs get lost because of you know you're traveling and you're in a hotel and they run away, you know, they don't typically go far. So I think, you know, like having, like getting, you know, talking to the people at the hotel, talking to people around the area, like, hey, getting the word out locally is a big deal because that's going to help you be able to um, better find them. Unfortunately, you know, with, if it's not microchipped and the dog, you know, you're in a strange area, the dog doesn't have a collar, cat doesn't have a collar, there, you know, that's, the unfortunate thing is like those dogs may not be found. That's why the microchip is so important because it's, and it's so easy to use that, you know, that, you know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. Like if you've got, you know, that's part of being prepared. If you can get a dog, if you can get your pet microchip, it makes it so much easier to, to be able to know that it's going to be able to get back to you if you, if you lose it. And then update the address when you move. 
and update the address. You know, the big thing nowadays is just to make sure the phone number is correct. No one, you know, everyone keeps the same cell phone number forever. I mean, I've got a, my cell phone number still has an area code from Atlanta. So, you know, you know, so we always keep those same cell phones, but for whatever reason, I think when we moved, it was a different, we, I had a different cell phone number from Atlanta. So anyway, Mm. it's very possible. We may not even registered the dog when we did the microchip, to be honest. But it's easy to do. Like if you forget, that's the other beautiful, beautiful thing, beautiful thing about a microchip is if you forget and you know you've dog your dog's in a microchip and you lose the information and you can't remember where you did it or what happened, all you can all you have to do is bring it here or take it somewhere where they have a microchip scanner. They can scan it, get the number for you. You can go on the database, find out which company it was from, call them and re-register. So it's pretty, it's a pretty simple procedure. Thanks. Awesome. So on that note, what are some common problems other than not microchipping pets that you observe when people are trying to get their pet prepared? You know, what should happen to get pets prepared versus what actually does happen? Um, I think one of the big things is not having vaccine records. I think if you don't have or not being vaccinated, that's the other part of this. It's like if you're you know, you're getting we're getting into you know evacuation season, possibly or hurricane season or whatever and or any time of the year to be honest and your dog doesn't have a current rabies vaccine and you don't get on that real quick to get it done it's really hard you know if you're getting to you know you know you're going to take you you're evacuating you know you're going to take your dog somewhere else and you may have to board it somewhere you may have to do it somewhere else where you get there if you don't have the vaccine records that's going to be really hard to get it, you're not going to be able to board it well they won't let the dog board without rabies and proof of other vaccines um and just having that, you know, not having it done, then you have to rush to try to get it done. You're in an emergency situation where you, you know, where are you actually going to be able to do that? So keeping pet records up to date is one. Keeping pet records with you is the biggest, the other one, because if you don't have, you know, if you don't have proof that your dog has a rabies vaccine, then your dog doesn't have a rabies vaccine. So that's, you know, that's really important. Um, I think, the other part of it is with the, with the travel, you know, ha- having a place for them to be in a car. You know, I had, you know, I have experience with, you know, different people when we've had evacuations here where people will come to the evacuation center and they're like, well, I've got, you know, I've got my dogs, but they can't ride in the car with me. What do I do? And, you know, a couple, we, you know, I think it was a couple of years ago when a couple of evacuations where we had ended up, we took the dog with us. Um, we train. Oh, we didn't take it with us. We transported it for them up there because we were transporting up to um, Augusta. But not having a place for the dog to ride is a, is a big thing. Forgetting that, you know, you have two kids and, or maybe three kids and two dogs. Where are you going to put all? Where's all this going to go in the car? How are you going to get it to a place? I think that's another, you know, common problem. Um, the other thing comes up with. Um, you know, with cats in particular, I think that's that. You know, it's, you know, some people have indoor outdoor cats that have never been in a carrier, never been to a vet. You know, that's a problem. You know, you don't want to leave those guys to fend for themselves, but you haven't. They're not in any way, shape, or form prepared to go into a carrier and go somewhere. <clears throat> so I think that's you know, that's a big thing. It's just you know over the you know. Throughout the year, make sure you have vaccine records, medication. That's another. That's that's another big thing is medications. You know, your dog's on a chronic medication. Let's say your dog is epileptic and it has seizures. 
and you haven't refilled your, you know, the, your toward the last, the end of your medication refill, you need to refill. Make sure those medications are refilled or make sure you don't forget them when you leave. Because if you, it's very difficult to go from Savannah to somewhere else and you need a controlled substance like phenobarbital that your dog needs for seizures and you can't find somewhere to refill it. So that could put your dog in danger for that. So I think that's another, that's another big thing just to have, you know, like I said, you have a checklist, like with everything, these are the things that we need to leave. Like if you leave, if you're on some sort of medication, chronic medication, you're going to take that with you. So you need to make sure you take your dogs and cats with you too, if you need it. Wow. That is a lot of amazing information and a, and a good way to kind of recap and, and finish up. You talked about, you know, medications and making sure that you have a way to transport your animals, making sure that you get that really awesome spray that helps your cat feel a little bit more comfortable. I feel like I've personally taken a lot away from this podcast and that was a lot of fun. Is there anything else that you forgot or that you, you left out that you think would be important to mention as we wrap up, Dr. Harper? Um, you know, I think the one thing that, you know, when we go back to medications, I want to, you know, like we talk about different, you know, first aid kit type stuff. Um, I will say that we have a lot of times, you know, you, you're traveling with your dog, your dog hurts himself and you say, oh, I, you know, I can't call my vet. I need to give him some medication. What can I give him? Um, I think, you know, the biggest things I get a call a lot about, you know, what kind of pain meds can I give my dog? Um, there's really nothing out there other than contacting the veterinarian, to be honest. I mean, you can't, you know, people, oh, I'll just give them a Tylenol. Well, dogs don't do well with Tylenol. Cats cannot take Tylenol at all. Um, so a lot of the over-the-counter stuff that people would take, you need to avoid with your animals. So that's even in emergency situations. So I think that's, you know, that's a big, one of the big takeaways is, you know, when you're preparing your first aid kit or your, your, your bug out kit for your dog, make sure that you have dog specific stuff there to use aside from Benadryl, which is pretty safe to use, but it's some of the other things you need to be careful with. And yeah, microchip had... your animal. That's all I can say. So if you're microchip, yeah. microchips, microchips are wonderful. Yeah. So microchips and don't give your cat Tylenol. I had no idea that was a thing. So again, I'm learning even more. Dr. Harper, always a wealth of knowledge. Thank you so much for being here today. Sakili, I know you're just like grinning. Do you have anything else to say? I'm just so thankful that you were able to join us. Thank you for sharing this wealth of information. And yes, microchip your pets, especially if you have a cat like mine that just seems to get out of every collar we have ever on him. Cats cats are more importantly, more important than dogs than cats should be microchipped. I think that's, Cats are the ones that are going to squirt away from you when you're on the road. Cats are the ones that don't like to ride in the car. Cats are the ones that are like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to be in the car with all these kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're the, the anti social ones that, you know, like, they might want to be left behind, to be honest. They might want to say, you know what, this will give me some peace and quiet so I can just hang out and chill at the house, but don't do it. Microchip them and take, you with, take them with you. And then hopefully, if they get loose, they'll be re- you'll be reunited. They get, they'll have a story to tell their friends. There you go. They can just be honoring on their own time later on, but they'll be safe. And that's the important part. All right. Well, always, thank you so much. Always a wealth of information. Dr. Harper, you are awesome. Um, Listeners, be sure to tune in next week as we completely shift gears off of National Preparedness Month and start talking about our Emergency Operations Center again. And we are going to hear from the Chatham County Public Information Office team, and we are going to be talking about what it takes to set up a joint information center. 
Now I've realized I just said a lot of acronyms. We'll break down what all of those are, what they mean and how you might even be able to get engaged and involved during a disaster. Until then, bye guys. Bye guys.